You're listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. I started this podcast to learn what makes people resilient after challenging events and how they've used those series of events as a catalyst for change in their life. You'll hear stories of resiliency and strength, so get ready, sit back, and be prepared to be inspired. Today, my guest is Mika Domingo. After leaving the Philippines during the Ferdinand Marcos regime in the early 1980s to seek better opportunities in America, Mika's family not only navigated unfamiliar surroundings, but assimilated in the American culture, and they also thrived. The family's incredible work ethic and sound financial sense allowed for the creation of many opportunities for others, including financial support for individuals going to college, the creation of dozens of jobs through an international bookkeeping company, they provided services to help underprivileged communities, and also built rental property buildings for the family's future. Mika's mom's struggle with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's created challenges and opportunities for the family to become even more resilient and continue her legacy. This is the story of family resilience, triumph over adversity, and service to others. So Mika, thank you for joining me on my podcast, A Catalyst for Change, Stories of Resiliency. I'm so happy that you came on to share your story. Thank you, Jessica. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And you, I've read a little bit about you, but can you give us and our listeners more information about your background and your story? So I am an attorney and also an adjunct professor, and um, I am from the Philippines. My, my parents, the whole family, my older sister and older brother and I were all born in the Philippines, and my parents came to America in the early 80s. We lived a very comfortable life back home, um, but there were things we needed to do. So we we moved here eventually. Wow. So you moved here. And how old were you when you moved here? I was 12. Okay. So you came here as as a child, still in grade school. And can you tell me about what that experience was like? And that must have been a big change for you. It was a change, um, quite the change to learn how to navigate through this new environment. Um, We lived a very comfortable life back home. Mom was a university professor and CPA and dad was a police officer and they were both entrepreneurial. So they were involved in small business ventures and and life was good. As I remember um, growing up in the Philippines, life was flourishing for us. we were surrounded by a lot of comforts. Um, we had nannies, a couple of drivers, a cook, and even tutors because mommy wanted to make sure that we were always on top of our schoolwork. Yeah, and my siblings and I even had boys coaches, piano teachers, dance lessons, swimming lessons. I also had theater and every possible lesson I could think of. Um, but I was a bit young at that time um, when the political scene in the early 80s was tumultuous um, with the re-election of Ferdinand Marcos, who was known for imposing martial law. Okay. So yeah. his, his years, you probably um, have heard um, uh, about a little bit about the history. So those years when he was in power, when I was little, um, those years were marred by 
corruption, economic stagnation, and this uh, steady widening of economic inequalities between the rich and the poor. So even though we were comfortable, my mom and dad envisioned a better life in America. Some of their siblings had already immigrated to America and they wanted to follow suit. So mom and dad first moved to Wilmington, Delaware, because mommy's sister, who was a teacher, and her husband, who was a doctor, they had already established their careers and were very successful. So mom and dad came here. Uh, That first year, my siblings and I stayed put in Manila because mom and dad wanted to sort of, you know, get settled, right? Yeah. (laughs) So while we continued to enjoy those usual comforts, mom and dad had to to adapt to this environment and and eventually assimilate to some culture. Luckily, since the language of instruction in the Philippines is English, and English is um, spoken in almost every industry there. Um, I I always spoke English, both English and Tagalog growing up. They didn't have any language barriers to deal with when they came here, but they did have the usual challenges of building new connections and and finding jobs that suit their education and experience. I remember hearing about my parents um, juggling several jobs in the beginning, uh, which was a huge difference from mm-hmm. their lives in Manila. They um, managed a video store and even catered food while they held full-time jobs. They, uh, they just worked very hard. Mommy first worked as a bookkeeper and dad was in security. And later on, when mom took the CPA exam in California, she ranked in the top 10% and landed her first CPA job. Um, I, I remember my dad also doing you know, some prop- property management and even sale for a pots and pan company. <laughs> <laughs> Anything they could do, right? Exactly. And he was a great cook, so it kind of made sense. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. What, that's a wonderful, they were so resilient to have known when they needed to leave the Philippines and what was safe for the family, being able to come to America, establish those connections, and take the exams, the CPA exam graduate top 10%. That's amazing. So it's such a tough exam from what I've heard. So that's amazing. Yes. Um, she, my mom was a professor in, at the university um, when she was working as CPA in the Philippines. And so she tended to do really well on exams. She also mentored a lot of CPAs in California throughout her careers. Yeah. So she worked very hard. She actually worked seven days a week. She, she only took breaks when we went on trip. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a very hardworking person. So they've taught you a lot about resiliency just from their story, from watching them live their lives the way they did. Yes, they taught us how to work hard and be patient with uh, any anything that we were doing for the first time because there are quite a few things you know living in a new environment that we were exposed to um i remember that first year in america in california we were living in an in-law because mommy wanted to save money that year so we could buy our first house and that we did um i mean eventually um we built these 
mommy uh, built these buildings or the family did. So we have uh, several now, but this was from nothing, you know, from, from coming here with just their education and their determination. Um, at the time when we came here, we only had one car for the family. Again, it was a huge difference from what we had in Manila, where we were used to having several cars and motorcycles. My brother had two when he was in high school and yeah. a couple of our own drivers. Um, but my mom was very organized. She was very proactive. As soon as I got here, um, I immediately took my first placement exam at a public school, and that was before... I moved to a private school in San Francisco, and and due to my high scores, I skipped two grades. My uh, older sister, uh, who is now an accountant, my older sister, Lynn, she's an accountant for Contra Costa Sheriff's Department, and my brother, Arnold, who is now a deputy sheriff for uh, one of the, the counties in the Bay Area, while I was going to school, they they got right to work. They too juggled several jobs initially. Yeah, they so they very hard. So the whole family moved over here. So you had aunts and uncles that were already here. You stayed in Delaware for a little while, and then when she got her CPA in California, then you guys moved here and stayed in that in-law until you could afford to by the family home. How many of you came when you came from the Philippines? Um, so uh, my mom and dad were the only ones who lived in Delaware and then they moved to California. And that's when my siblings and I, uh, my sister Lynn, brother Arnold and I moved to California to re get you reunited with my parents. So a total of five, but there were already families in America, the sister in Delaware, and my dad also had siblings already in California. So they were very comfortable moving from Wilmington, Delaware to California because, you know, we had family. Even my mom's siblings, a few of them were educated in America. So, you know, it was always, we, we had some guidance. Yeah, yes. it sounds like you, that, so how did that time that you spent in the early days being 12 and trying to get adjusted to a new life in America, how did that build resiliency and make you who you are today? So as a child, every time I tried something new and the outcome was, let's say it was a challenging experience or outcome was not what I wanted. So some would say failure, right? Um, mm. My mom would have a conversation with me, right? Um, and she would ask me, what did you learn? How can you use what you learned to be better? My early experience of moving to a new environment, moving to a new school where I was ridiculed because I had an accent <laughs> and even though I spoke English, yeah. I had an accent and then later on finding out that I was doing so well that I was at the top of my class. Those years were, were very important years because those years taught me the importance of being able to frame the hardships as learning experience. Yeah. And to look at them a different way. So it changed your mindset. So it helped establish you as a positive person, looking at things as growth opportunities and ways to become better. 
it sounds like. Yes, I I had uh, a very good mentor, and that was my mom, and also my big sister and my brother. Um, they have really strong personalities, um, and so I have that. Uh, I'm surrounded by that family strength and resilience, and they're always so practical. Uh, mommy would always um, encourage us when, whenever anybody whined. Uh, okay, so you're you just wasted five minutes of your time whining. <laughs> what are you gonna do now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so get it out of your system and move forward. See it as a blessing, as a learning experience. I love that. Yeah, and it sounds like she was really into making her, building herself up and then building others up. Can you tell me a little bit about that work ethic and that value that she instilled in you to help yes. others? Yes, my mom in, in, the, in the 90s, so she worked for several companies and after doing that, she decided she was going to launch her own international bookkeeping company. You know, she had experience working for a big German company when we were in the Philippines, other companies here when we moved, but she was entrepreneurial. So she, she started his own uh, bookkeeping company with her main office in Berkeley, California. And she and her business partner built a 24-hour practice with three shifts. So <laughs> it, it's crazy. I, oh I rem- yeah, so literally three different shifts. Um, and at its peak, they had almost 80 employees. She was very successful. Uh, she, she was, I am convinced my mom was a superhuman because she, she just, I didn't, didn't see her resting. I mean, she did rest when we were traveling, when we were on the plane or sometimes on the weekends, she would take naps and then she would take breaks to have dinner with us, but she would always go right back to work because um, there were a lot of things to do. Uh, and so her business was very successful. And, and during those years, mom and dad, because they were very much uh, interested in, in, especially my mom, in saving money. They started focusing on investing in, in uh, rental property. So mommy wanted to have not just investment in stock and bonds for us. So our, our Christmas and, and birthday presents were oftentimes stock certificates. <laughs> yeah, and I would always ask. I remember when I was little, I, I would get money, for example, and I would ask, well, where's my Barbie doll? <laughs> but then it was always, okay, let's see. That would be a reward if you did well in school and you would get an extra gift or something. But uh, growing up, we always had our own CD, our own savings account. Whenever we received gifts from others, a percentage of those gifts would go towards the account. So yeah, my mom wanted to have these income generating properties. So eventually they built these buildings and and now um, we still have them. Um, since uh, my mom has passed, um, she passed away from Alzheimer's and, and Parkinson's in 2017. But we, we have this corporation and the family's continuing uh, to uh, sort of manage these buildings and, and their income generating for us. Oh, that's, what wonderful foresight. And, and that's so nice that she was thinking ahead. She really instilled those values of you know, saving money, your future, you know, making sure that you had enough to, to survive. And, and that's, that's just a wonderful value to instill in a child coming from, you know, tough times, which made them move from the Philippines, reestablishing themselves, and then bringing all of those values that they learned to their children. And you mentioned that she had 
she mentored people in being a CPA and she, she was helping other people in the community. Now, was that family or was that other, you know, scholarship fund or something like that? Yes. So not, not just family, but there were quite a few individuals that she met through her work or even through her association. She was, she belonged to quite a few associations. She was president of one or two of them. And so she mentored the individuals who were preparing for the CPA exam and even those who have taken the CPA exam and passed, but they were looking at hours. So I think they're required to complete a certain number of hours. So so she helped them out because it was sort of what was in her nature is to just yeah. help out, not just those she met through the associations, but also sometimes uh, family members who were coming to America. And as far as, you know, any scholarships, uh, they did have these funds. My mom participated in, in a lot of fundraising events. And I remember mommy collecting funds to purchase encyclopedias so that they could get donate encyclopedias to the schools and the libraries. Um, she was so active. Um, she was such a hard worker and she instilled that in us, you know, the importance of hard work and a good financial sense. And as you pointed out, th those were really uh, important um, and helped us uh, build what we have today. So she had scholarships available for, uh, for high school students, for example, and then she had extra funds available for other people who need help to continue their college education. I do remember that uh, she had maybe at least seven individuals that she supported throughout their college education. And then oh, yeah. a lot of them now are successful, you know, CPAs or police officers or entrepreneurs. She was just quite this <laughs> powerhouse, the, the, the force. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it sounds like. And no, she was so uh, practical too, because she just didn't you know, want to waste anything. And she, you know, I remember uh, this story that she told us about her and her siblings. My mom always wanted to be a lawyer, but because two of her older siblings had studied accounting and her mom wanted to make sure that the books were recycled. So she took up accounting instead. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny yeah oh that's wonderful it sounds like she's she's she was an amazing person and she gave back a whole lot of things to her community now you mentioned that she had alzheimer's and parkinson's can you tell me about those challenges that you had as a family helping her through that time Yes, uh, so my mom had Alzheimer's. Um, we didn't know it was Alzheimer's at first. I do remember what there was a trigger or there was the, this big change when we, we went on a trip to New York and my mom had a stroke. So I think oh. it was around 2002 or 2003. She was hospitalized for several days. And then when we came back to California, she still wanted to 
work. She wasted no time and got right back to work and continued to keep that very rigid schedule. She worked about 16 to 20 hours a day, seven days a week, and only took breaks when, when we asked her out for Japanese food or even when we went on trip. She would work nonstops for weeks so she could just justify uh, taking some time off. And it was, I think it was around 2010 when mommy started exhibiting symptoms of dementia. She had difficulty concentrating and started to become very confused about time, you know, time and place. Um, she'd gone on a trip to Singapore with my dad and got lost at the airport. Um, my dad couldn't find her. I remember I was in law school when mom's uh, memory loss got progressively worse. Um, she would ask me, okay, what are you studying again? And oh. she was just so confused. And so we took this trip to Colorado during that time. Uh, I think it was on, I was on spring break to visit my cousin and her husband because they, they at the time, they were running this neuro center um, so that my cousin could conduct some tests so the results, because um, we didn't know for sure, right? So the results show that mommy had Louis body dementia. It's a, and I know you're, you're very familiar with this. Yeah. It's a part of the work that you do. It's the, the progressive dementia and it leads to a decline in thinking and reasoning and, and independent functioning. Um, so this condition, we learned that this condition shortened uh, her was going to shorten her life span. Mm -hmm. And we were devastated, you know, none of us could have expected this, right? And, you know, this is our mom, our, our pillar of strength, you know, she's, she runs the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was devastating, uh, but none of us, none of us gave up hope. We really wasted no time. Uh, we learned as much as we could about this condition and we reorganized our lives so we could provide assistance. Um, she was started, she started to experience slowness, gait imbalance, and other, I guess, our Parkinsonian movement features. And she would, you know, get out of bed in the middle of the night and take a shower with her clothes on and leave a per her purse in the oven and turn it on. <laughs> she would leave the house and take out the garbage in the middle of the night. It, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that Lewy body's uh, Alzheimer's is one of it's a really challenging disease. That must that's so good that you were that she had so many people surrounding her with love and support, like you and your siblings and your family, because that's, that's a really tough. How, now, how long? How did it progress past that? And how long did she live after she was diagnosed? So I think the, we were counting about seven years, that struggle with Alzheimer's and, and Parkinson's. So she needed help um, and more and more help, but she, as she got progressively worse and in America, we, you know, we didn't have nannies, we didn't have um, housekeepers. So my dad was the caregiver initially and my sister, my brother and I took turns taking care of her and that it was fine in the beginning, but realized we actually need more help, uh, especially when my mom fell off a flight of stairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. She was hospitalized again. And yeah. we just 
we were prepared that she was going to live the, her remaining days there and years. Um, so she, my sister, was the one really who was in charge of everything, uh, going there two, three times a year and making sure that everything was in order with the nurses. She did interviews with the nurses and all the other help that we needed. We really worked uh, as a family, uh, worked together to make sure that mommy was comfortable and that the business, you know, the properties were being managed. We had accountants who were helping and we wanted to continue on with her legacy and that's to keep the rental properties and, and to continue to save money because that was, she was always big on, on saving money for the future. Um, she was also big on giving back. Uh, her, her main thing was uh, that she would always say the, the quality of our lives was determined by the quality of our contribution. So um, she was so generous. Uh, even now as an attorney, sometimes I run into people who knew my mom and they would have stories to share with me. <laughs> they would tell me, oh, your mom was the one who helped me get my CPA license. Or your mom was the one who gave us money when there was a fire and she gave us the money that we needed to rebuild our life. Or your mom was the one who taught me how to do X, Y, Z and now I'm a successful business person. So her legacy lives on. You know, she she passed away. She was fairly young, but she has us and we're continuing on uh, with what we do. Uh, both my siblings, you know, they're in, in public service. Um, and, uh, and in some sense, you know, I was also in public service. Um, I was, I work for the attorney general's office and I do quite a bit of work now. So of course it was heartbreaking and just very difficult um, to go through that. But, you know, she she trained us pretty well. Um, she trained us how to prepare, uh, in some sense, even for her her, her own death. <laughs> she, she used to always say, you know, you won't need to worry about money because I help you build what you have so that you can live off of the interest. <laughs> yeah, but she knew that's not what she would do. You would go out and improve others' lives, it sounds like. Yes, yeah. She was just an incredible person and and it's just so so blessed to have her. And I know quite a few people. There were at her funeral over maybe 500 people who came and these were individuals who came from all over the world they're not just from america or you know the philippines or germany they were from all over people who whose lives she touched yeah and that's amazing that you can still hear stories from people that she has helped and you know made their life better and it wasn't just family she touched it was the community at large i really love that she instilled this value of public service into you and your siblings and left this legacy of of hope in after challenging times and this legacy of resilience throughout sprinkled throughout her life I just, it's just amazing. Now, is there anything about your family and, and the resilience that you all have um, shown that you think we may not have mentioned? Anything you want to make sure we mention? I think those are, are the important ones. You've been listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabay, your host. Join us next week for another story of resiliency. And please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And feel free to leave me a comment or email me at Catalyst for change 20 at gmail.com or on facebook we have a page at catalyst for change resiliency